Each new challenge also provides a new opportunity for us to reinvent the industry and reconsider ways in which we've done things in the past. This is why the registry continues to provide industry insights through personal interviews with the leaders who are shaping real estate each and every day. By subscribing to our podcast, you are helping us in our work, and we will continue to deliver programming such as the one you're about to hear. Please click the subscribe button and let your friends and colleagues know about us. It will help you and the industry stay ahead of the game. Today's guest on the pod is Henry Desposito. Henry is a senior research analyst with JLL in their National Construction and Project and Development Services Group. He's based in the firm's Washington, D.C. office, and he recently helped author a study that looked at the national trends impacting the construction market with a special emphasis on construction technology. We sat down with Henry recently to go over some of those drivers of technology in an industry that is best known for its legacy methods and is not very quick to change. But this pandemic may be just the force needed to initiate such a transformation. Henry, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, Vlad. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Good, good. Where do we find you today? Are you uh, at the office or working from home? I'm working from home. I haven't been to the office in quite a while now. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm working from home in D.C. By way of introduction, tell us a little bit about yourself, your your role at JLL, um, and you know what, what you do there and sort of what your sphere of influence is at the organization. Sure. So my role is to lead our construction research in the Americas. So that's kind of a broad topic, and it spans from the construction technology space that we'll be talking about more today through more the kind of macroeconomic side, looking at labor and materials and where costs will be and kind of forecasting out the industry nationally by sector, um, by region. So kind of anything in the broad construction research space, that's what I try my best to cover. Um, we at JLL have a business called PDS or Project and Development Services, okay. and that's our group that does all of the kind of construction management. And so that's the business that I work with the most and support and kind of help them and our clients work through their, their questions and their construction projects. Great. And how long have you been with uh, JLL? Have you been in the industry prior to JLL also? Yeah, I've been at JLL a little over two years now. And then before that, I had some other roles starting in research. And then for a while, I was doing more of the project management side. And then I worked on the corporate real estate side, kind of managing a portfolio of leased office for, a, for an occupier. Great, great. So you're uh, sort of you know knee deep, deep into into this this world. Tell us a little bit about kind of before we get into sort of how things are going to look like. You know, give us a perspective that you have in the industry. You know, kind of pre-COVID, right? So basically Q4 of 2019, and sort of where where was your sort of thinking about what's happening in the industry and and uh, how it's going overall in the industry. We were forecasting a bit of a flat year in 2020. We'd obviously seen eight or nine years of steady growth since the end of the last recession in kind of construction overall. So 2020, we were expecting to be kind of more flat as things leveled out and was likely going to be the top of the cycle was the consensus opinion. In terms of the the construction tech space, though, there had been a big number of big uh, funding deals that had gone through. We saw um, it was a 95 million, I think, round for Procore in late 2019, okay. and then 
a few drone companies, Precision Hawk and Drone Deploy, both had uh, rounds closed that were 30 or 40 million. So 2019 closed pretty strong overall. Obviously, no one saw what was coming next, but right, right. everything was in in a good place. And really, adoption was up and kind of the the momentum behind construction tech felt pretty strong at that point. Yeah, and what were some of the trends that you would you would say were were shaping the market? Obviously there was some news, you know, here on the West Coast, we've got Autodesk kind of acquiring a couple of companies that were in that space, but um what were some other kind of things going on that were of of note prior to the end of uh, 2019? Yeah, I, th- I think you hit on acquisitions as kind of a big one and then the other thing we've seen happen over the past few years has really been, and what's been driving those acquisitions has been the position of a few of the larger firms to try to become more kind of hubs or platforms. Yeah. One of the things when we've talked through, even when we on our own were looking at adding kind of tech solutions, it was a problem that we came across. But when we talked to other clients and other firms looking at this, the toughest part for many has been sort of the decision paralysis of trying to pick the right tech firms to plug into a construction project. Interesting. In many cases, if you're a GC, say, you want the option you're going to pick to, if you're going to spend the time adopting it and kind of integrating into your systems, you want it to be around for 10 years or more. And you want it to be around at the very least for the life of your project. So there's a certain amount of risk involved in making a choice on both a startup that's a little less established and a particular type of technology. And then maybe you went the wrong way and that's not where the industry goes right, for three years. So you kind right. of left out in the cold. So, and, and so what you're describing essentially is that throughout the industry, there was, there was uh, increased vertical integration on the, on the innovation side, right? So these platforms were kind of vertically offering services up and down the, the spectrum. And as a company, you had to kind of pick, pick a path effectively, right? Right. And, exactly. And that, was, that was a challenge. And if, not only the integration, but if you're also able to sort of come up with connections or be able to um, to be able to partner. If you get a, one of these bigger platforms, they have individual integrations, even if they don't actually own the companies with yeah. a lot of the smaller startups. So then you, as a, as a construction firm, pick one of the big startups to work with, and then you can always kind of plug and play the other tools. So we saw that really as the biggest trend over the past year. Interesting. And then also overlay into that an industry that's not really innovating a lot to begin with, right? right? So that, that was right. sort of an added kind of uh, uh, hurdle. So so then did COVID um, accelerate that? Did COVID you know, you know, make that a bigger hurdle? What, 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 did, what did that mean kind of for the industry once, once that happened? Or is it that still working itself out? It's kind of a mixed bag. I think what we yeah. saw was, you know, for most industries, it was it's a tough time to invest this year, right? Capital sh- short and construction was one of the top industries to actually take PPP loans. The construction industry overall is really very, very fragmented compared to many other industries. There's a lot of small local players who are either working in just a particular trade or a particular region, longtime family firms. Yep. It's very, very localized. And so there's not a ton of sort of capital reserves. You don't have these big corporations who can spend money regardless always. And so from that perspective, the industry has been hit pretty hard. But at the same time, to keep these projects moving forward in a lot of cases, the only solution was to try to add some amount of technology or if you already had 
um, technology incorporated into your projects, it was much easier to move move forward in a lot of ways. And 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 who are who are some of these? I, I think we should probably say, you know, who are some of these pl- platforms? So so was you know is Autodesk one of them? And I think you mentioned Procore. Like, is that are those the yeah, two the, kind of that are out there? Who, who else is those, there? Those are the those are the really the big two. I would say Autodesk is a big one, yeah. and then and then Procore as well. Yeah. Um, there are definitely other big sort of one of the categories we define within the construction tech space is this kind of um, digital collaboration, cloud-based management area. And so there's other companies there. There's Fieldwire, Rumbix are both two big ones, and they're doing the same thing. So that's one of the big tech categories, and that's often kind of the first place where um, construction firms will enter into this broader tech landscape. Yeah, interesting. And where was this innovation coming from? Is it mainly out of the U.S.? Um, are some companies coming out of other parts of the world? Uh, if it's in the U.S., where in the U.S. did you see most of this emerge? Was it dispersed, or were there clusters emerging? You know, it's it's mostly in the U.S. There's been, if I had to pick somewhere internationally, there's been definitely some startups in Western Europe and then some in Israel, too, which yeah. tend to be two of the bigger startup hubs just kind of across industries. And then in the U.S., it's I would say it's mostly where you'd expect. It's a, a large amount of California and then, and then some in New York, although there's some amount of kind of dispersal. But it hasn't been – there hasn't been a huge geographic storyline behind it, I wouldn't say. Yeah, interesting, interesting. So so COVID hits. Um, you know, here we are. Um, you know, what are the drivers of that industry now, uh, given sort of where we are and given sort of where – the companies being end users, be it um, you know landlords, be it investors and developers, you know how they're looking at you know future of construction. What, what what does this pretend for the industry? Yeah, it's been it's been really interesting to watch. I mean, it's if so, kind of to go back a little bit. In the early days of COVID, there were these construction shutdowns and this kind of threat of construction shutdowns that really disrupted the industry in a lot of ways. There was a lot of uncertainty around whether projects would be able to move forward yeah. or in some states, I mean, in New York for some amount of time in Pennsylvania and Michigan and other areas, almost all work was halted for weeks, a month, six weeks or more. And so the way that the industry was able to kind of get that back on track was by being able to continue projects without violating um, social distancing guidelines and okay. kind of COVID safety rules. And so okay. to do that, what you really need is to have as few people on a job site as you possibly can so that they can stay distanced. And obviously, you know, what a lot of people think of construction, they do think of kind of open air, big building projects, which is one part of it, but a good amount of work is enclosed in kind of existing building envelopes, whether it's a renovation or fitting out an office space in an office building. And so those kind of projects have all the same issues that just going to work in an office has and all the same risks. And so what we've really seen kind of rise to the top this year have been solutions and tools and companies that are able to help with that, with either making sure that workers who do have to go into a job site stay separated or there's some amount of kind of contact tracing that's possible if, if needed, and then other tools that keep as many people from the job site as as possibly can be. Interesting. And how would you characterize the adoption of uh, technology in the industry? There's been, for those tools in particular, so for 
things like um, kind of virtual scanning, AR, VR, or, um, or kind of walk through scanning tools, there's been a big jump of adoption there. We've also seen things like kind of wearables where they're able to track where workers are in a job site. Yeah. We've seen a jump in adoption there. And then just kind of the broader digital collaboration tools. So the scanning and the wearables apply more for the actual construction workers. But at the same time, typically you have architects, you have engineers, you have project managers who are all walking through and supervising the site together. So the ability to do more of that from home remotely with yeah. these cloud-based management tools, those are the three areas where we've really seen adoption increase. I'd say overall, we've seen adoption up just because there are other tools that help and kind of adoption was going up anyways. But in terms of where the most of the emphasis has been, it's been in those those few areas. And are the partners that these companies are working with also open to this adoption? So the construction industry is not an isolated sort of part of the you know project development cycle, right? So right. Um, how does that work itself through? You know, do you do you see sort of a handoff between technology from let's say an architect to a you know construction company to a you know to a to a to a subcontractor, right? Um, how has that uh, played itself out? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And that's actually, even aside from the pandemic, that was one of the biggest challenge areas, I would say, for that construction technology was trying to solve. So much of the data gets lost in that handoff from the initial design to the construction team, and then even maybe more importantly, from the construction team and the project team to the final owner. And so typically that's been a huge area where there's really not much visibility through the full life cycle of a project if you look beyond just the construction phase. And so over the past few years, that's really been one of the biggest areas that these sort of digital documentation platforms and design platforms have been trying to solve for and where a lot of the efficiency gains from these tools can really come into play, particularly when you have this building one year, five year, 10 years later that you're, you're operating and you're managing the more information you can have from the construction design process, you know, yeah. the better off you'll be. Yeah. Are there any issues around, you know, connectivity? Does that does that play a does that play a part in uh, in the you know adoption of this technology on on the sites too? You mean like on a physical construction site? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There are, and that's that's definitely always a challenge. I mean, it depends. Really, that kind of depends on what kind of site you're talking about. So. Sure for more of an like an urban development, not much of an issue. If you're getting into something farther out there or more like an infrastructure project or something beyond um, existing developed areas, then that's definitely an issue. Yeah. Yeah. As um, the construction industry, as every other industry, I would argue at this point in time is really faced with some with some dire kind of consequences in the next year um and and maybe you can tell us a little bit about sort of how you are seeing the industry overall from from your research perspective and then what does that mean for further adoption does that usually mean technology is adopted faster uh slower um maybe give us a perspective on kind of the industry overall and then we can kind of get into into what it means for technology in general yeah, so looking over in, kind of into 2021 and maybe even into 2022, there's really two big questions, I would say. One, and this is, this is more driven by 
sort of the the overall economy, not just construction. Construction is more kind of in the backseat here, but it's when does this recovery really take hold? And then what does that mean for construction? We're kind of expecting, and I think the general consensus is that Assuming there's a vaccine that's available to everyone in mid-next year, that'll be the point where things really start to take off. And in sort of watching the construction industry on its own, we've seen the same trends. There's a few leading indicators that I like to keep an eye on. One of them is the uh, Architectural Billings Index. And that's a really good indicator for where things will be in 9 to 12 months from now. And so... Any work coming into an architect, kind of the thinking goes, means that once that project progresses, it'll become construction work in roughly a year. Yeah, or nine and, months. and what are you seeing there now? So there was a there was a huge drop in earlier this year during COVID, and then it hasn't quite come back to growth yet. But we've seen some early indications that it's it's getting back to level, and then there's one that goes even a little bit further out, which is looking at some kind of new contracts and and new inquiries for design work. And that's gone back into the positive territory. So that's giving us a lot of optimism in our forecast for kind of mid to Q3 2021, we can start to see a bit of a return to growth. Or at the very least, we've kind of reached close to the bottom or we'll see the bottom in the next couple quarters for um, the current construction decline. Yeah, yeah. And then what does that mean then subsequently for for technology in this space does that mean that's a time when it'll be adopted more or we just you know wait wait and see still you know it's it's kind of an interesting question because we've seen on the one hand the companies that already have adopted a lot of these technologies they're able to do these more these projects more efficiently and so when you're in the environment we're in now and construction firms are competing for work right as backlogs fall and the billing index fall and the amount of new works declines a lot of these firms are bidding lower and lower to try to keep works on the book work yeah. on the books and so if you're able to operate a project more cheaply and more efficiently you can keep more work coming in and a lot of that efficiency does come from technology so on the one hand you'd think that there'd be a hesitation to invest in the coming year just because it's expensive but yeah. if that's what it takes to win some of this work then that's part of our thesis for why adoption's actually been going up so far. Yeah, interesting. Um, if you were to kind of um, you know underscore some areas of technology in this space that you would say looks promising or looks like they're doing some interesting stuff, you know, you could see kind of that area really expanding over the next 24, 48 months or further. Um, which which aspects of construction technology would you highlight? Yeah, there's. There's a few. I think if we're looking out over the next few years, one area where if you would ask me before the pandemic, if you would ask this question, said, what do you see is going yeah. to be the biggest impact yeah. two years from now? I would have said <laughs> with a fair amount of confidence, I would have said modular construction because I'm really a believer in kind of the concept and what that means and how it's changing the industry. A lot of these other areas we've talked about, like, um, virtual reality or cloud-based management or scanning tools, they're very, very important and make a big difference, but they don't fundamentally change the way we've been building buildings for decades and decades and decades, right? Yeah. And that that goes back to the bigger question about construction productivity over the long term. Um, modular is a very different way of doing that. So if you look at sort of 
taking construction and making it into more of a manufacturing process, taking it off-site, standardizing it, and being able to to just kind of radically change the way construction is done. It's, it can be much faster. It can be, if you do it right, it can be cheaper. It can also be more sustainable and that it creates kind of less waste in the process because you're able to do it more precisely. So I would have said that before the pandemic. I'm Although Modular's had a tough time this year and hasn't really fared particularly well because of the pandemic, I would still say I'm, I'm pretty confident in where that'll be three to five years from now once, okay. once things get back okay. to normal. But does that mean it, it, it hasn't sort of met your expectations quite yet? Um at this point in time? <laughs> you know, it's, I would say maybe not my expectations, but my, my forecast, just because it, it's been pretty unlucky really, because if you think about modular, what it looks like today has been in many cases, you create a, a, a module, right? Yeah. And that's typically a, one room or one apartment or something like that. That's 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. And then you build those in a factory, ship them to a site and assemble them together. And that's, essentially the building. And so what that lends itself really well to is one multifamily, which has gone well and has been doing well despite the pandemic. But the other area is hospitality, which obviously hasn't. Um, There's been a pretty big decline in new hospitality development. And so that's been tough for modular. And it's not really a fault of the system. It's just kind of what happened. So in that sense, I'd say it's underperformed a bit this year. But I think the longer-term benefits still hold true. Yeah, and what was interesting to me when we talked about this um, a couple of days ago, you also mentioned one aspect of it that that kind of caught caught my ear, which is um, it's 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 one of these technologies that you can afford to test or you know play with if let's <laughs> right. say you have you know twenty thirty projects in a year and you can sort of allocate let's say you know ten percent of your projects to to this kind of development process, right? And then see how it goes versus if you're doing one or two, you're kind of putting everything on the line and hoping it kind of works, right? And and that, that do you, would you agree that that's kind of one of the hurdles that the industry has been facing also? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It really, it's the first, to your point, like the first one or two or three projects you do that way might not actually be faster and cheaper and more efficient, but once you have the system down, then you can really get the return yeah, as you kind of yeah. churn them out. And so it's, it's riskier in that sense. And that's part of the challenge too this year with um, fewer people wanting to take more risk. Risk. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So um, uh, Henry, what are some of the trends that you think are going to be shaping the industry uh, going forward? I mean, you've, you've talked a little bit about the, you know, the billing index, but um, as you look at and kind of canvas the industry overall, you know, where do you think, some innovation might might come from whether it's technology or whether it's uh, just operational or other otherwise. I think if we're looking looking longer term, I would say there's a couple things that we've kind of categorized as bigger bets out on the horizon, and we won't see the impacts on them as much in the next year or two. But if we're looking at something like, I, I think robotics can be a, a big area and automation where. Once those tools are figured out, those could really make things much more efficient, whether it's sort of, there are firms who are starting to fully automate the, like the excavation process, for example, right? So they have bulldozers and excavators and all that that can work remotely, but also on their own to a certain extent, or 
kind of robots, and this is a popular one people think of as, I forget the name of it now. I don't know if it's, it's Boston Dynamics makes it. It's that dog, that like yellow and black dog that yeah, walks yeah. around job sites. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, so that's, that's basically just a scanner on a robot, right? So that thing can walk through a job site every hour, every day, whatever, okay. and give you a fully 3D <laughs> laser scanned look at it all the time. And so it's expensive now, but once those kind of tools come down a bit in price and are a bit more adopted, um, I think that will, those will be one of the biggest changes in how job sites look now compared to maybe three to five years down the road. Yeah. Do you anticipate also, you know, one of the things that I, you know, typically hear when I talk to construction firms is that they, they always feel like they're on the up and up. They don't need to change what they're doing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, municipalities are the ones that could maybe use some better technology. And one of the things that they said, <laughs> usually they, they, that they say is, slow, is, you know, slowing them down is, um, you know, the approval process and just inspections and things like that. And they were sort of hoping that, you know, the inspectors and stuff would, you know, utilize some of these tools that would allow them, I guess, like the Boston Dynamics dog, just go around the site and, you know, right. look look whether, you know, the wiring was done appropriately and, you know, provide their um, approval on the spot. Do, do you see services like that also expanding that would sort of, you know, shorten the process and kind of eliminate that rub between between the two parties? I definitely hope so. I can't say for sure whether cities and municipalities will actually go through with that. Yeah. We saw on a very temporary basis, there were a number of places that allowed virtual inspections, certain type of inspections and certain, you know, not everything, but certain steps in the process to be done over kind of a virtual walkthrough, whether it's a, a Matterport or an open space, something like that, or yeah. even just kind of yeah. a FaceTime video call. And so, I, I haven't seen any of that become part of the f actual regulations and codified and kind of a long-term solution. But I would hope that given that it was able to work for a few months, uh, you know, everyone can kind of see the value in maybe we should be doing this long-term. Yeah. But I don't know if that'll be very quick. It never tends to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, and as my final question here, Henry, um, yeah. if, if there are some things that, you know, you would tell everybody to, you know, keep their eye on, what, what would that be? It's a good question. I would say, despite what's happened in the past few years, the past, you know, this year in 2020, I would say modular as one. And then even further out, I think, one of the more interesting areas is going to be in 3D printing of buildings, and it's it's a very particular use case. It's not something you'd see in a particular, you know, in a standard office building construction. But if you're looking at more remote sites, or like you said, areas yeah. where the connectivity is not as great, or I know it's been used uh, kind of as a test case for military installations. That's one big area. So I would say 3D printing as a as a more kind of one-off unique concept. And then the other area, which we didn't touch on as much, but I think one of the big questions for this is like kind of why does it all matter, right? Why does a little bit more efficiency or a little bit more productivity in construction make a difference? And one of the areas that I believe we will see it come through is that the biggest benefit, in my mind at least, aside from a business perspective of being able to build things more quickly and more efficiently and really more cheaply is when it comes to affordable housing. And I think in a lot of ways, that's kind of one of the bigger picture end games of this and for modular and for all these other tools, 
in a lot of cities and a lot of states, one of the challenges has been being able to build enough housing to keep up with population growth and being able to build affordable housing at a rate that's reasonable. Because for for cities, it's and for states and jurisdictions, it can be obviously just as expensive as for everyone else. And it's hard to stretch a budget as far as you would want to be able to provide that as a something to you know everyone who lives there. So by being able to bring down the costs and the, and the timelines for a lot of these projects, I think that's somewhere where we'll see really the the benefit of all these different tools come together. Hopefully, a few years down the road. And a really quick follow up on your on yeah. your um, on your answer regarding three uh, D printing would sort of like things like precast concrete fall into that that category also, or uh, mm-hmm. is, is 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 that an aspect of of that too? Not 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 directly, not quite as much typically. Um, for 3D printing, it's it's you're physically kind of printing. It's, it's hard to on, imagine, on the but spot. you're really no, on, you're yeah. printing the yeah. entire. Yeah, you can be. I mean, there's part of it is printing individual components, so, so that's a piece of it. But at a higher level, some of these companies are really printing the entire structure of a building. So you have right. a big, big 3D printer, and it's not usually a big building, but like a um, kind of a more like a barracks or a single family home or something like that that is physically printed out with uh, some kind of concrete extruder type system. And then that's the, makes the entire structure of the building. Yep. Understood. Understood. Well, Henry, thank you so much for your time. This was uh, very insightful. Uh, stay safe. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You too. 